Improving the health of our community through compassion and excellence in healthcare services, Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital brings you another informational podcast. It's Your Health Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention estimates approximately 48 million people became ill from food-related diseases each year, resulting in over 100,000 hospitalizations and as many as 3,000 deaths. My guest today is Dr. Darren Privet. He's an emergency room physician at Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital. Welcome to the show. Dr. Privet, is there any way to prevent or avoid food poisoning? Well, that's a good question, right? Because if we had a clear understanding to avoid uh, something like food poisoning, and then we do all that we could do to avoid it because no one ever wants to have severe vomiting or diarrhea. Uh, certainly when we go out and we eat at restaurants or, or various establishments where we do eat, sometimes that can be difficult. Uh, obviously, if we're eating our food and we see if the food potentially is uncooked or raw or not to our liking or has a different taste, uh, I think first and foremost you want to stop eating uh, that particular food. And, and obviously, if we're at home, we just want to make sure that we can try to avoid eating certain foods uh, that are raw, especially chicken, and make sure that all of our foods are properly cooked. And most importantly, always want to practice really strict hygiene. Are there certain foods that are more predisposed to causing food poisoning? Um, you know, the most common that we see is particularly with, with chicken, um, and, and sometimes, you know, the you worry about the development of, of bacteria that, that can cause uh, food poisoning. Um, and sometimes we can see that more prominently with, with chicken. But, um, you know, it can happen with any particular food that can be soiled with, with uh, bacteria. And so um, sometimes it's hard to tell. What about things like spinach, E. coli? We're seeing more and more with the vegetables, things that are coming in from other countries, or you look at the bag of spinach and you see there's some really dark, nasty-looking leaves at the bottom. Are those things susceptible to poisoning us or giving us food poisoning, or is it just food that's gone bad? Well, I mean, that is true, too. We see that a lot of times when people develop traveler's diarrhea. Sometimes that food can be contaminated. Uh, with raw, with uh, vegetables, um, particularly salads. Um, you know, usually if it's washed properly uh, with good uh, filtrated uh, water, that can avoid that. And so uh, there are some outbreaks that we do see w- with food that, that comes in uh, from various countries. And so I think, uh, obviously, if the, if, the, if the vegetables or the salad in particular doesn't look feasible and, and that doesn't look edible, uh, despite how hungry you are, you probably should avoid that. Um, and, you know, and you always want to make sure that you rinse it and clean it properly and, and, and try to uh, wash away anything that could particularly be contaminated for it. So. so then how would somebody recognize if they've been food poisoned versus the stomach flu, which could happen to anybody at any time, but how do we know that it's food poisoning? Great question, and, and, and typically when I have a patient comes into the, to the emergency room and is complaining of symptoms suggested of a food poison, such as abdominal pain, uh, primarily uh, you know, worsening nausea that causes multiple episodes of vomiting or diarrhea, sometimes they can have you know, body aches, headaches, usually after the vomiting. Uh, and I tell them sometimes it's very difficult for us professionally to determine whether or not this is food poisoning or you might have a little viral syndrome that can cause similar symptoms. Uh, typically, we try to ask uh, direct questions if it may be related to any 
episode where they might have eaten something uh, recently. Um, but for the most part, uh, you can't really determine that unless we have a really spike in patients who come in and, and uh, sometimes we can send off cultures. But even then, those, those particular tests will come back uh, you know, in one to two days, particularly with stool cultures. Sometimes we get notified uh, by the CDC in our area that where we practice uh, where we've seen an incidence or a spike of particular symptoms and, and, and or if there is a particular culture that came back positive to be aware of, of certain outbreaks. Um, and so sometimes it's really difficult clinically to determine that. Uh, the good thing is is that whether it's food poisoning or a stomach virus uh, or stomach flu, typically the symptoms, uh, despite being very similar, the treatment's the same. So sometimes it, it, it doesn't really matter whether we do try to determine that or not, unless we have a surge in patients that come. And, and obviously in our community, we want to determine if there is some type of outbreak that we can make sure that the community is aware of that and then treat it appropriately. And Dr. Privet, if you suspect that you have food poisoning, what are some of the treatments available and when should you look to seeing a doctor about the situation? Well, the good news, most of the time your symptoms are mild and can improve without any specific treatment. However, sometimes uh, if the symptoms become unbearable and uh, unrelenting, uh, there is some treatment that we can do. Obviously, if you're nauseous, we have some specific anti-nausea medication that we can stop uh, the nausea and inhibit progression to vomiting. Uh, as far as the diarrhea goes, we typically uh, try to avoid any type of antidiarrheal agents. Uh, we kind of want to let whatever's in your system kind of get out of your system. Uh, and then, of course, we just want to hydrate you um, so we kind of just may specifically treat your your symptoms that you're having. Uh, there's uh, the concept of basically whatever goes out of your out of your system, as long as we can put it back in and balance that equation out, we're okay. Uh, obviously, if you're having diarrhea, that can be easier said than done because we can just try to hydrate you orally uh, and then try to advance your diet appropriately. Sometimes, uh, obviously, if you're vomiting, that can be more of a challenge because we have to stop the vomiting. And, and I particularly tell patients that most of the time when we're, we get sick to our stomach, we have a few episodes of vomiting or diarrhea. We don't necessarily have to run to the emergency room. Sometimes we can wait it out and, and let our stomach settle. And then once uh, our stomach is no longer less nauseous, we can try to hydrate ourselves by uh, starting out drinking uh, some fluid, some um, fluids, particularly some electrolyte-rich fluids. There's so many things on the market now that's out there that you just want to start out drinking some electrolyte-rich uh, fluids, try to rehydrate yourself. And then once your stomach feels okay, then if you can start taking some um, some edible foods, some some types of foods that can kind of buffer your, your stomach out. Particularly, we like to have, you know, like uh, crackers or, or bread or something that's fairly mild, oatmeal, that, that they can kind of buffer the acid in your stomach. Uh, and then once you... Uh, can tolerate that, and then you can advance advance it more appropriately. Sometimes it gets to the point where you just you know, like a domino once it starts to fall, and you just get nauseous, start vomiting. You can't stop vomiting, uh, and then you come to the emergency room, and we have some medication that we can stop that cycle and and, and stabilize you. And then, for the most part, sometimes um, you know p- patients are kind of surprised that when they come in, we don't necessarily go right to an, an, an IV line. We can do that orally. There's some uh, anti-nausea medication, uh, particularly Zofran, uh, which is a dissolvable of a tablet, which is great because now we can just put that right in your mouth, let it dissolve. So you don't have to worry about swallowing it and starting you know, to vomit. And once that gets, 
gets into your system, and then we can wait for a little bit and then try to hydrate you again. It does pretty good. Sometimes, uh, you know, the vomiting uh, just won't stop. And so in those cases where it becomes more mo- more moderate to severe in, in your, your symptoms, we can put an IV in and then hydrate you and kind of get it stopped from there. Are there any over-the-counter medications like Imodium or Pepto-Bismol that you recommend trying in that case before they go off to the emergency room? Yeah, I mean, you can try... You can try taking those anti-diarrhea agents. It just depends how your stomach is, you know, if you're, you're and it's, sometimes it's, it's hard to tell, too, because sometimes you start out with diarrhea and you're not vomiting, and, you know, that obviously is easier to treat, and so you can take some uh, those over-the-counter medications. You know, Pepto-Bismol, ironically enough, is a great anti-diarrhea drug, uh, and, and it does, uh, is one of the first-line treatments for traveler's diarrhea that, that people can have. So, yeah, you definitely kind of can start with some over-the-counter stuff. Even um, if your stomach is starting to feel nauseous, if you want to try to take uh, uh, some type of, uh, you know, um, acid relief uh, like or an acid reducer like Pepsid or over-the-counter Prilosec or some type of Tums or anything to kind of mellow your stomach out. Meclizine is a great uh, anti-nausea medication that third-world countries use. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely some over-the-counter stuff that you can try to take before you can run around to the emergency room. And to wrap it up, give us your best advice about the foods that you feel people should be more, a little bit more aware of that may be most susceptible to botulism, E. coli, just food poisoning in general, your best advice as an emergency room physician about food poisoning. Well, I think the best way to prevent food poisoning, like we introduced this, this podcast, is uh, and you want to make sure that you cook all your foods adequately Try to avoid any type of cross-contamination of raw and cooked foods. Um, and just make sure you keep all of your foods uh, at an appropriate temperature and, and make sure that the items that need to be refrigerated are and items that need to be, that need to be eaten hot and, and cooked are as well. Um, and when you're eating food, and particularly with you know, your, your vegetables and your salads, just make sure that it's been properly uh, cooked. And if there's anything that looks uh, you know, visibly, when you see your, your, your plate, you look at your food and, and something just looks amiss, it probably is. And you probably want to make sure that you avoid that because uh, you're setting yourself up for the potential of developing uh, food poisoning. And then, obviously, if you're eating some type of, of, of chicken uh, or other meats and it doesn't uh, look completely cooked, uh, then, you know, don't eat it. Uh, there's times when I've been at a steakhouse and I've ordered a particular steak the way that I like it and it comes back. And uh, it's not the way that you want to eat it. You know, it's not cooked the way that you ordered it. And you just look at yourself and you talk yourself into eating it. But uh, if it doesn't feel right, don't talk yourself into eating it. You know, make sure that you you see those warning signs, take the the uh, appropriate precaution, and, and try to avoid your uh, your setup from developing food poisoning. Thank you so much for being with us today. What great information. You're listening to It's Your Health Radio with Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital. And for more information, you can go to henrymayo.com. That's henrymayo.com. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.